It's the most wonderful time of the With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year Ah, the holidays. A time to reflect on family, friends, environment, and peace on earth. Peace on earth when the climate is changing so rapidly that Chicago and Los Angeles are both the same temperature in December. Oh yes, peace on earth when we see an advancing ideological structure burgeoning throughout the United States. Oh yes, that is focused on white supremacy, but peace on earth. Ah yes, peace on earth when Russia is poised to invade Ukraine any day now. But peace on earth. Ah, peace on earth when we have white evangelicalism that is rampantly telling us that we should buy more, consume more, and capitalism is at all all time highest. Ah, yes, peace on earth. When family (laughs) get-togethers can become even better and more warming and enriching with those relatives that completely understand you. Ah, yes. Peace on Earth. Aren't you glad you have some fucking profane faith? Come on! And I would say to you, gentlemen, the best person to rape is your wife. And now I guess he feels a little bit emboldened. He must be careful with what he says. I think we've got to see that a riot is the language of the unheard. Uh, Racism is essentially a white problem. For you to understand what racism is about, you're gonna be so uncomfortable. As Christians, we love the homosexual and the transgender. Homosexuality is sin. You know, everybody's like, you taught that from school, everywhere, big business, you wanna be successful, you wanna be like Trump, gimme, 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 push, 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 step, 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 crush, crush, crush. This is Profane Faith a podcast that engages faith on the margins, faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. All right, folks. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here we are. It's the holiday season. If you're uh, listening to this in real time, it's uh, the Christmas season here in the year of 2021. Um Hopefully you are enjoying the holidays a lot better than my introduction. And, you know, hey, if you listen to this podcast, you know, I am a glass is half empty kind of guy. So you're mostly going to get that from this podcast. Um, And, uh, you know, I have uh, my spouse uh, to keep me honest about that and other folks. But most of the times I just kind of see the world is just half empty and going to hell in a handbasket. Um. But, uh, you know, hey, peace on earth, right? <laughs> peace on earth. Oh, man. Um, yeah, man. Well, you know, the great thing is, is that, you know, my daughter got COVID 
this um, this December. Yes. Oh, yes. Wonderful. I have no freaking idea what strain it is or whatever, but uh, she caught it even though she was vaccinated. And um, yeah, she got sick. Oh, my gosh. I think what gets me to is the field of medicine. Now, if you're in medicine, excuse me, I'm really not trying to be um, offensive here. I just, it, my experience uh, with folks who are doctors and folks who are in that profession um, has just been really just shitty. Um, to give you some context, my daughter has is, is, is like had like a compromised immune system. Uh, she got Lyme disease, but she's just been sick a lot, like a lot. They know us by first name at our, you know, general practitioner. Um, and like we know everybody by first name, like everybody, all the nurses, all the assistants, all the receptionists. They all know us. They all know us when we come in. Um, so we've been there a lot. We've and we've found out over the years that pills, antibiotics, because she gets infections. Okay, she gets she had like a staph infection um, that we had to get you know rid of, and that was a real nasty one that didn't like certain most antibiotics. Excuse me, antibiotics. Um, a, it, you know, and so we found that a shot works, and I forget the name of the antibiotic that's in that shot, but that's the one that works. It bypasses her gut. Um, goes directly into the bloodstream and it works. Um, so that's the case, uh, right? So we've tried all the pills, we've tried all the things, we tried all the different. It's like nope, it's just just give us the shot. Um, so we weren't sure what was going on. Um, we thought she had it. Her she had a friend over. She caught it from a friend, um, and um, her friend had tested positive. And they were like, okay, we're pretty sure, but let's just make sure try to find a damn kit so if any of y'all have tried to get any covid testing kits oh my god it's like people have just run it, it the covid tests are now the toilet paper <laughs> i don't know if y'all remember the toilet paper fiasco man um of you know early in the pandemic uh so i'm in like four or five different walgreens nothing nothing even though the website said they got them nothing so i was like all right so then my spouse goes the next day the next morning and finds one at Target. It's this new fancy one where you're like, you know, you connect it to an app or a website and it tells you blah, 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 blah. Well, that shit didn't work. So we were like, oh, God damn. Um, all right. Well, there's one up the street, right? Uh, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, you don't need an appointment. You know, it's a rapid test. You can get results right away. Let's just go there. All right. So we go. We're in there pulling in. Uh, it's, it's a shit show, right? Um, it is. You know, just it, it, you're like, I appreciate it when they did have the free testing, at least on our side of town, the one we were going to, it was very well organized, very well oiled machine. There were different stop points. People would ask you, hey, you here for this, you here for that, great. Okay, go over here, get in line. Uh, it was an old DMV. If you know anything about DMV here in Illinois, you have to do like, you know, smog tests, basically. Um, it was an old, one of those places. So it had a whole bunch of lanes that you could get in there uh, and you would get tested and it wasn't instant, but you would get the results back in like, you know, 24 hours or something like that. Very well organized. This was anything but organized. So you just basically just parked and then they would come to you. So it was like, we're sitting there, we're sitting there. She's feeling like crap. Right. Um, and you know, I'm thinking, okay, it's been about 45 minutes. Let me just drive up there and ask. So I drive back up there. I can tell the workers they're working hard. They're really working hard. Um, and they're frustrated because they're getting the same question, right? It's like, how long is it going to be? You know, what do I need to do? So I'm just like, hey, I just wanted to ask, 
Do, am I in the right spot? Yeah, 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 you're in the right spot. You're in the right spot. And they just keep going. I was like, okay, all right, I'll keep waiting. Meanwhile, there's cars backing up. People are honking. People are trying to get out, right? It's 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 utter shit show, okay? Just picture utter shit show. That's, that's what this is. <laughs> um, very long story short, uh, I finally get a response from one of the people working there. And they were like, it's going to be a three-hour wait. Three-hour wait. Go park over there. It's three-hour wait. So I was like, you know what? I'm good. So through my university, they had testing, but because it's closed over the holiday season, um, I ended up going to, uh, they, they ended up farming it out to another university, which is like one of our sister universities, not a sister university, but it's basically a university that's right next to us and we share kind of a lot of resources and stuff. Uh, anyways, and so I was like, I'm just gonna set up an appointment through there. We did that and I was just like, okay, it's halfway across town, whatever. Let's just go get the damn test. So we go get the test. It's one of those spitting ones. I don't know if y'all had done any of those spitting ones. Those things are nasty as hell, man. <laughs> things are nasty as fuck. Um, I, it just gave me the gag reflex. I'm just like, I'm not used to spitting in a cup, right? Um, I was just like, oh Lord Jesus. But we spit, we both took them. So I was like, well, let's just, let's just get it. Let's just get it done. Let's get it done. All right. They were like, it's not rapid, so you'll have to wait 24 hours, but you know, we'll upload your results to a website and you create your profile. Great, cool. All right, so did that. We go home, blah, blah, blah. Kids still feeling like shit. Meanwhile, we schedule an appointment with the doctor. Early in the morning, we're up, um, and I get an email or a text message saying, hey, your lab results are in. Perfect, let me check. Her results <laughs> rejected, okay? <laughs> rejected. So you're like, oh shit. Mine were negative, but hers were rejected. So I was like, all right, well, uh, and that was right when my, my spouse was getting a test. She got a rapid test uh, at that spot that we were gonna wait three hours, but anyway, we ended up going early in the morning and she was able to get it. Um, and you know, we had to wait 20 minutes, you know, when you go early in the morning and hers was negative too. We were like, well, there's something going on with our kid. And we just knew that she was saying, this is the worst I've ever felt. I've not felt like this before. So it was like, she probably does have COVID. So we finally scheduled because the doctor didn't even want to see us unless we had a COVID test, right? They didn't even want us to go in the building. So we were like, look, I just exp I explained to him literally everything I just told y'all. I just told the doctor. We just went and did all this stuff. Test failed. We did this. Her test was negative or was rejected. That was all the things they just said. Just said rejected. <laughs> right? So I was like, okay. All right. Come on in. We'll get her tested and we'll see what's up. So anyways, go in do all the tests they put us in an isolation room um and then of course the uh, the doc comes back and says yes she's positive and uh, she's got covid and strep she got strep throat and covid so we're going to medicate the strep uh but y'all gotta go because <laughs> the dog was the only one that was like double vaxxed or you know boosted and everything i had just got my booster shot and um they were just like you know like scurrying us out and i was scurrying us out. So i was like okay well hold up doc i was like so you already know the deal, right? You already know the deal because she doesn't need the, the medicine. Yeah, but this is a different antibiotic. So I said, which one is it? No, no, no. I was like, no, I, I get that. And I get that y'all want to get us out, but we need the shot, right? And she's like, no, no, no. Ain't nobody who can do the shot. My assistant that's doing this uh, is off doing somebody else. I mean, she's not even, um, you know, double vaxxed or whatever. So she's not boosted. Um, so, you know, we can't do this. You, you got to go. You got to go. And I'm like, hold up, man, hold up. Is, ain't, ain't this like supposed to be the medical profession and stuff? So anyways, long story short, I end up leaving and going back um, to the car. And my spouse is like, well, what happened? Explain to her what happened. And she was like, oh, hell no. Nah. So she calls and she's just like, 
boo and they're like well we ain't you know we can't get the whole office all sick because of your daughter and everything like i get it i'm a parent too you know like one of those conversations right uh so my spouse goes over um and again leveraging her race because i know that when i raise my voice in a setting that's all white uh, it doesn't go good. And the last thing I want are cops showing up, right? Because <laughs> the nigga's pissed. So she goes and leverages her. And she, plus, she's just a mama bear, which I would say, imagine a lot of moms are. Um, and she just goes over there and stands because she's like, I'm going to stand in front of them until they have to deal with me. Because if you're on the phone, because that's the other thing with the doctor, right? Always oh, because they were like, oh, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. Yeah, we know. You, you'll go get back to us at five o'clock and y'all closing at 505 <laughs> and then they were going to be gone like they were out of the office to the 13th which i don't begin anybody right shit i think everybody should get a summer vacation and a christmas vacation everybody should just be standard whatever work you're in just take the goddamn time off right but i didn't want to have a kid that had covid strep and because this thing really messes with her gut she gets nauseous she can't eat she gets really bad cramps stomach pains i was like i don't want that on top of this to so my wife Finally, he's able to get over there and, you know, of course, you know, everybody's like pissed and huffy and puffy and they finally end up, you know, the doctor I was telling you could do it. She ended up coming back and doing it. But does it really have to be that way? And this has been my experience most of the time with fucking medical professionals. Um, and that's what pisses me off because imagine if this had been just a full black family. Like I didn't even have the privilege of leveraging my my, my wife's whiteness and her own mama bareness, right? And, and, and just the way folks are treated and imagine if you don't have health care you get we have health insurance right like and it's decent health insurance it's like can you imagine that um and i'm sure some of you can because i'm sure some of you listening to this don't have yeah you know medical insurance so i don't know i'm just i'm really just frustrated with the whole medical system I and mean, i'm just like i feel for your assistance not being you know boosted or whatever that's on them that's great but god damn it we need some help <laughs> Right. And I don't feel like having to go to a, uh, an urgent care because then I have to explain everything over there. They're always just trying to get you out the fucking door at the goddamn urgent care. I don't want to go and cramp up in a, a fucking emergency room because it wasn't an emergency. Right. We just need the shot. We just need the shot that we know works. Right. That we know is, is that, 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 that we've, that, that is tested, shown in the, in the paperwork. Like when they finally looked up the paperwork, they were like, oh, yeah, you're right. It is the shot. I'm just like, right. That's what we were fucking saying. Right. Didn't you fucking believe me? Oh shit! So f Merry fucking Christmas, man! I tell you, <laughs> fucking Christmas. So here we are, still in you know quarantine. I think her time is up, um, in uh, here sometime on the thirty first. So right around Christmas Eve. So you know that'll be fun, right? Fun to do those things. But I just had to share that story, uh, you know, because the medical profession just drives me nuts. If you a uh, medical profess professional out there, holla back at your boy, you know, because um, I'm just trying to figure this whole thing out. Like, what the fuck? You know, and I get that people lie, I get the people trying to do things, but I'm like, look, these cats know us. We got a history there. We've been going there for years. And all we needed was a shot, right? All we needed was that. And I was like, look, I'm willing to wait in, in the isolation room. Like, well, they're busy with you. They're taking care of other, right? I get that. That's fine. We just need a shot, right? It's going to take about 30 seconds to do it. Uh, we're all masked, right? Um, you know, can I do the shot, right? All that stuff. Nope, 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 nope. And then finally, when it's just like, you just take a minute and then, you know, people, when you do shit like that, then people try to make you out like you're the one in the wrong. I'm like, man, fuck that. So if you have kids, kind of know. If you don't have kids, I get it. No disrespect. Um, just having them is just, you have to advocate on like every single goddamn level. And if you're a person of color, it just goes a step further, right? And of course, if you're a woman, person of color, it just adds another layer of bullshit. 
uh, on there. But nevertheless, I guess you guessed last week we were off. Um, plus, my kid was sick, uh, you know, because she started uh, this last week and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, I ain't going to get no podcast out in time. Uh, but it's the holidays, right? Everybody's off and schedules are off. Now it's that weird time between Christmas and New Year's, right? Like when you don't know what fucking day of the week it is. It's like it doesn't even feel like Sunday today. It feels like Thursday or Wednesday, right? You know how days have a feeling? So crazy shit, man. But I wanted to get uh, my next guest on. Uh, she's amazing. Uh, I've been trying to get her on for a long time. Uh, Tori Williams Douglas. Uh, she's amazing. I, I have appreciated just the work that she's done both personally uh and the stuff that she puts out you know was like white homework and whatnot and i was i reached out i was like yo i gotta get you on the show and we were able to record and get this thing together uh and i just thought this will make a perfect holiday uh episode here on the show um she's an anti-racist educator writer content creator public tweeter prolific public tweeter uh, she says she was growing up in Portland. She was very aware of the acute disparities in her city uh, and the way that race seemed to be an influential force and in access to the ladder of upward mobility. The people who were struggling mostly looked like my family. And as a kid, that felt wrong. Uh, she's been working on that. She's been putting uh, materials together. Of course, I'm going to link her uh, website uh, in the show notes. As always, whitehodgepodcast.com. Go to Profane Faith. There's always show notes for every guest, their website, their resources. Um, and she has a white homework. This is lessons that she has uh, out there um, that you can get. And it's really good material. Uh, like lesson one, native people and European settler colonialism. Lesson two, mass incarceration. Lesson three, anti-racism in the workplace. So white homework by Tori Williams Douglas. This shit goes on. It's amazing. Uh, and I highly recommend it because this is the type of stuff, again, when folks say, what can I be doing? Here's a resource right here that you can get right now. Grasp it, buy it, support somebody, a woman of color, a mom as well, right? Uh, and actually apply some of this shit in your own environment, right? I hope you enjoyed this conversation because I had a fun time just talking with her just about life, religion, theology, race, all that good shit. Uh, but she breaks it down. So enjoy yourselves. Hopefully you enjoy the rest of the, hop and, uh, the holiday season. And I will see you in the new year of 2022. All right, folks. Peace. What are some of the things I know? I don't know if we've ever physically met. I know I think I met you through through Twitter or something like that, and like yeah. some of the posts you put. And I was like, oh my god, I gotta get her on the show one of these days. So this is great. Um, but uh, yeah, I was just like, I just know I need to get Tori on the uh, on the show. Oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So I basically do like uh, anti racism education. That's what's up. Um, pretty much like I'm probably pretty much like 50% like faith-based organizations and 50% not. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah. So honestly, it's like, I think it's kind of fun. Like I've always wanted to do education in some format. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been really enjoyable so far. Um, I also am, pretty uh pretty insistent on like making sure that i have time like for myself to just like unplug and yeah uh decompress because it can sometimes be a lot but um 
yeah, I mean, so far it's, it's been going really well. So yeah, trying to pitch a book right now, obviously. And I don't know, TBD. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Um, well, I mean, I guess the question I ask everybody um, is what's been going on from birth to now? What's been going on? What has, okay. what has made Tori who Tori is right now from birth to now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I currently live in, in Portland, Oregon, and um, was born and raised here. have lived here most of my life. All right. Um, here in, you know, Seattle, basically. And, yeah, I, as a really young kid, was very struck by the fact that, you know, because Portland, Portland is overwhelmingly white already. And then I noticed that the people that I saw who were clearly experiencing some kind of crisis were overwhelmingly black. And that really bugged me as a little kid. I was like, this is very weird. Like something about this doesn't add up to me. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't like raised in a home where race was like a subject that came up a lot. Um, it did come up rarely. Uh, but I think it was, Functionally, it was pretty much like racial colorblindness. Like this was not a, I don't know, don't ask, don't tell is basically how they operate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I like that. That always really, really bugged me. And um, I've always been a very like justice oriented person. Mm. Um, and so that was. Uh, put me put me at odds with with my mother like my dad you know my parents are still married and but my dad was just constantly working because you know it's we were just incredibly poor and so mm -hmm. uh you know it was like mostly my mom being around and she was she's not like that like she's not super justice oriented um and I remember being very shocked to discover this when I was like probably nine okay <laughs> and I was just like, this is so weird. Like, why would you, why would you not, why is it something that you don't care about? And it was a very small thing, right? Like I, I remember we were, the moment that this happened that I had this thought was we were in the car driving. We had to drive out to like where my dad was working. And then we had another couple of errands to run. Okay. And my brother and sister were fighting over a toy. And my mom was like, okay, well, one of you can have it until we get there. And then the other person can have it till we get to the next spot. And I was like, it's 45 minutes to one place and five minutes to the other. Like, that's not cool. And my mom was just like, so? And I, like, I was very, very struck with that. Like, I remember exactly where we were. Like, I remember the car we had. Wow. It was a really defining moment in my life of going like, oh, okay, this is, why would you not care about why would you care about, like, why would you not care about something being unjust that you can fix, mm -hmm. right? That you have the power, you have the authority to make this a just, equitable situation, and you are choosing not to. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that really, that really, really stood out to me um, as a kid. And so, uh, essentially, yeah, like, I was, like, I was raised in church, it was in and out of church, like in my early twenties, mostly in, frankly. And, um, yeah, I was mainly in like white evangelical and like white Pentecostal spaces. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, primarily cause it's like, 
but I, my parents are Pentecostal. That's how I was raised, but Portland's just really white. So most, <laughs> even like the Pentecostal churches are mostly white because that's just who lives here. Um, and so, you know, I definitely like kind of tried to stay in that group, but I was never, I was never good at it. Like I was very, the whole like, women must be silent in church or whatever. Um, I was always very bad at that. (laughs) I was like, first of all, like, who is women? Like, I don't think that that's me. And like, no, no, I will not be silent. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, that sounds fake. Uh, So I was, I was very much at odds with basically all of the authority figures in my life. Um, I was homeschooled. So there weren't really teachers here, but I was always, it it wasn't necessarily questioning authority. It was questioning injustice. Yeah. Right. And, and the like power dynamics that led to these um, unequal outcomes. I was like, this just does not seem okay. Especially in situations where it's like, you can, you can fix this and you're choosing not to. Um, And yeah, essentially like I had been really kind of struggling with um, being in churches that were like anti-queer and, um, you know, anti-gay marriage or whatever the hot button issue was for for them that year. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, that really bugged me because I knew that like, I mean, obviously I, I had friends who were queer. I knew you know, fairly young that I was not only attracted to men. And so um, it was, it was like, it was this thing that I was just constantly like to use Christianese. I was constantly wrestling with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like, like every day it was, it, there wasn't a day that went by that I was, wasn't trying to figure out like, how do I reconcile these two things? Right. Because again, it's like, there's this kind of fundamental injustice here. And um, so in the middle of that, like, trying to think, I guess like 2014, um, our, uh, our church, I was married at the time. Mm-hmm. Our church was kind of starting to fall apart. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> kind of the, like the beginning of the crumbles, so to speak. Yeah, and, yeah. um, and so I was like, I don't like, I'm like, I don't love this. I think like, again, it's not, there are situations in which it is not hard to do the right thing, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. And when you're, when you're choosing to do the hard thing, that is the wrong thing. Like that to me is really messed up. So we're kind of like trying to sort through all of this with like some of our best friends that we go to church with. And, you know, they're kind of like, Oh, well, people are just like trying to like take our pastor down. It has nothing to do with with, like his behavior necessarily. It's just, there's blood in the water and like people are trying to come after him. And I was just like, even if that's the case, like he's still being completely unethical. Right. And um, so I keep like checking, I was like intermittently like checking social media uh, this summer, um, 2014 again. Yeah, yeah. And like just trying to kind of pop in to see like what other people were saying about the situation, um, like other people in like the denomination. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I would just intermittently kind of like poke around to see 
what was going on or if there was like new information um, because it started to feel really uh, sus, essentially. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I think there's more here than like what you're, what you're letting on. Um, and so we went on vacation um, that summer and we like kind of inter- only inter- intermittently had cell phone service. And so when I would have service again, I was just like, I'd hop on social media like five or 10 minutes just to check and see um, what was shaking out. And um, on this trip, I started seeing tweets about something that had happened in Ferguson. Mm, and yeah. I, um, so I kind of had this like on my radar and was seeing people saying like, why doesn't this issue have like, why is there not national attention on this issue? And like, you know, what happened here was clearly an injustice, like regardless of where you fall on, you know, how people should be treated if they break the law or accused of breaking the law. Right. 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 Um, and so I'm like, I'm seeing this at the same time and I was like, okay, this is, this is really weird. So we get home from our trip and I like, you know, put my two-year-old to bed and I'm just like kind of plopped down on the couch. Like I'm just like by myself and like wanting to decompress. And I like log on to Twitter and it's just like this. Um, I don't even know. I, I, like, it's hard to explain. It was just like this, like this outpouring. I'm just like anti-black racism. Right. And um, it was like the first night of the Ferguson protests. Mm. Um, and I was just, I was, it's weird to say I was shocked. I don't, because I don't really think that's fair. Like shocked, like surprised. There was definitely some of that, but it was like, it was a very traumatic experience for me actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. because I'm like all of these people that I have seen who have taught me my entire life since I was in diapers, like love your neighbors and, uh, you know, whatever. It's like, we're supposed to, we're supposed to have grace because God shows us grace, <laughs> etc. Like, why is this not applying all of a sudden there's this massive disconnect. And it was, it was like, so that, that like kind of following week, um, was really traumatic for me. Um, because I'm realizing all of these things that I have been taught my whole life, and all the people who have taught me these things, like apparently there are at the very least, there are two different sets of rules, mm-hmm. right? Like best case scenario is you have a different set of rules for, for black people and like worst case scenario, you're just lying. You're just straight <laughs> up lying yeah. so that you yeah. can get a paycheck. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I was like, okay, this is, this is, this is now I'm like, no, I'm, this is not going to work for me. It's <laughs> not going to work for me anymore. Um, I was super on edge, like even like even going to a super on edge at church because I didn't know what people were going to say yeah, yeah. about everything that was going on. Right. I was super on edge in like our little community group that we had every week because all those people were like raging conservatives and, um, I, I just was like, I don't like, I don't want to be in this space anymore. Um, so it took a while to kind of like disentangle 
ourselves from that faith community, which sounds awful, but that's literally how it shook out. Um, and yeah, I was just like, I can't, this is not, this is not working for me. And I'm like, I really just kind of checked out. Like that was the year that I kind of checked out. Okay. I'm like, like I'll, I'll keep trying. Like I did kind of, I was like, we can go check out other churches. Like I'm not opposed to that because I think that community is really important, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, community is essential. And I'm not trying to be the person that's like, I'm too good for any of this. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not, I'm, I'm not willing to show up and like do my part. Um, but I was really kind of like emotionally, I was just kind of like, none of you people have real problems. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and so, yeah, like we, you know, we, we checked out a couple of other churches like for a minute, um, kind of, it was, it was a pretty half-hearted effort, honestly. And, um, I, you know, I kind of just got to the point where I was like, this is not really, this isn't really doing it for me, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, and kind of around this time, I started taking some like science classes at the local community college because, okay. um, as I said, I was homeschooled. So all of my like quote unquote science was um, like biblical literalist propaganda. <laughs> it was not actual <laughs> science. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so I, I, you know, and I was really kind of like pleasantly surprised, right? Cause uh, you know, being raised and even like, even my parents weren't even particularly fundamentalist on a lot of this stuff compared to like other people, which was interesting, but you know, we were not like young earth creationists or anything. Um, we weren't, we weren't <laughs> yeah. even like anti-evolution. Okay. It was just like, you know, like maybe it happened that way. Maybe it, maybe it was a literal seven days. Ultimately, it doesn't matter that much, yeah. you know? Um, and so, you know, I, I maybe I was a little more open-minded than <laughs> I might have been otherwise. But I was like, this is going to be really interesting. Like, I'm actually going to learn about evolution. <laughs> and, like, the scientific method, not just, like, oh, here's what it is, but, like, here's how we kind of systematize data and process data and examine data. And then we let other people examine it because otherwise it doesn't work. And um, it was, I was like, oh my God, like this, this makes so much more sense than like viewing Genesis one as like a literal, yeah. like chapter of a science book. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, I was like, oh, this is very organized. This is very systemic. Everything builds on itself. Right. And it, you know, in, let's be honest, in the best case scenarios, like is a self-correcting endeavor, mm-hmm. right? Um, and which is very much the opposite of like how I was raised to engage with the Bible of, in like, this is this is literal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And every word of it is is accurate. Right. And right. no questions, right? Like, None. Do you None. have any questions? Like, no, you don't. Okay, no, goodbye. Right. Um, and the answer will be God and Jesus and the Holy right. Spirit. <laughs> or you need to pray harder. You need to have more faith. You need <laughs> yeah. to repent. Yeah. That's right. Like you're, That's right. Oh my gosh. So many. Yeah. It's, there's a couple. There's a couple of dead ends that they pretty consistently drive you into. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So that was that was like really incredible for me, and that was kind of when I was like, oh, okay, like I don't really feel like I need like faith 
quote unquote. Like, I don't feel like I need Christianity in, in the ways that I've experienced it in this country. And I've been, you know, I, I like, I love history and, you know, my siblings and I were like all just major history nerds. Love it. Um, and so it wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was making an uninformed decision to kind yeah. of go like, okay, I don't think that this is for me necessarily right now. You know, if I had, if I had found like, I think if I had found a, you know, like historically, like an historically black church, just as an example, that was like affirming of queer folks. Like, I think maybe I would have tried to tough it out, you know, okay. maybe it would have been like, this is, this is worth fighting for, for me. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and, and like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was never like an anti thing. <laughs> it was never like, oh my God, like all religion is harmful and the concept of God is destructive. And, and, you know, it was never, it was never like that. It was just like, I don't feel like I need this in the way that, um, it was given to me. Right. And I really feel like I took my values that I got from the Bible with me when I left. <laughs> Um, my, I have a podcast, I have a podcast called, um, go home Bible. You're drunk. And, um, it's, yeah, which is, it's because the Bible is wild, right? Like every single story in there is, is bananas if you take it literally. Um, but my, so my co-host Justin, he, he always says like, you know, I followed Jesus out the door. Like when he left the church, like that's how he explains it is he's like, I followed Jesus out of my church. Um, and that's really how I feel about it also, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, that's, that kind of like brings you up to now. Like I randomly ended up, this is so, so weird. Randomly ended up getting a job in a neuroscience lab. Um, but I was, what I was doing primarily in the lab was, um, recruitment for underrepresented minorities in STEM. Wow. And okay. so, uh, it was, it was just because that was like, the PI in the lab that was that was kind of his condition was he was like, I will have a lab at your institution if you will give me a hundred thousand dollars every year to bring um underrepresented minorities to the institution because again, Portland, overwhelmingly white. And you know, <laughs> yeah. a lot of these folks are, you know, never mind like grad school, like a lot of these folks are first generation college students, right? First generation like graduating from high school students. And so, um, you know, giving people like this opportunity to, to get plugged in, connected, build community, um, have access to, uh, people who are, who are working in, in their field, um, and get like creating those connections, which again, like, because, you know, people of color were excluded from, from, you know, especially med school for so long. It's just like the connections and like the access is just not there. Yes. Yes. Comparatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was like, that was, that was my job basically. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love I, it. And yeah, it was, it was, that was completely incredible. It was, it was such an amazing experience. Um, so I did that for three years and then started doing white homework full time. That's what's up. That's yeah. what's up. That, and I mean, I, I love this. This is, I love all the details. And because uh, I think 
the interaction of that and in, in, in particularly with religion, in fact, um, I just got out of a class where students were, you know, looking at the, 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 the overlap between religion and like technology and um, how we equate. And this is the question I asked everyone. How do we equate the religious experience, right, with an attendance at church? Because um, I haven't been to church in, you know, three years. I'm just like, I'm, I'm good. Right. And I think, right. um, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like if I go to the white progressive church, then we're, which is the one I came out of, it was like, mm. then we're dealing with, like, all the racist stuff, right? We're dealing with right. all the racial paradigms and all this and all that. And I didn't feel like at church I needed to be the the educator for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But then I go to the black church and then it's just like, oh, my God, we're, just, we're still like, okay, name it and claim it. And then we're against LGBTQ folks. And then right. we're... And and so I don't know, and I know I'm, I'm simplifying it in in that sense, but I for me it's just like, what is attendance? And of course, you know these are young undergrads, yeah. and they're trying to figure all these things out and whatnot. But I like I like the process of what you're of what you're talking about. Um, tell me a little bit then about surviving white Jesus. What what is that? How do you break that down? How is this? I like one of those posts you put. It I think it was like fuck. Dobson, fuck what Dobson says. Uh, that right. was a T-shirt. That's that's a beautiful thing. I love that. Um, yes. How does that I'm, come around for you? Uh, man. So I guess part of part of the so part of the problem for me again was that like I was I was never really about white Jesus. You know, like it, it really. I kind of, I, I would, again, like I would have these kind of conversations with myself, but ultimately I was like, I think that the, if you, if you're claiming to follow Christ, like you should be like justice and equity should be like the primary motivators of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Not something that you think about, like whenever it happens to affect you personally. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was, there was, there was definitely like this once, and once Ferguson uprising started, that was when I was like, okay, we're, we're having different, we're having conversations about two different dudes. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? And, um, I think, you know, so I think at least for me, when I saw it, the way that I experienced it was like, after Obama got elected, mm-hmm. um, there was kind of this slow-ish. I, you know, I, I, I mean, I guess in context it was quite quick, but like this kind of slow, like closing of the ranks, right? Where we're like taking a lot more, um, we're taking much harder stances, right? Like you can't, you can't be evangelical and and support abortion access, right? <laughs> like those two things are mutually exclusive. Um, Whereas before it was like, oh, okay, like there, you know, there are some people at our church who are Democrats for whatever reasons they feel like are important to them. And it's like, maybe you don't necessarily agree with that, but it's not the end of the world. Um, but now there's, it's, it's slowly started becoming like this, like you're in or you're out, right? Like there's a hard line you need to, you need, and you need to fall in line. And it was, it was white Jesus. That's what it was. And like, they followed white Jesus right into 
voting for Trump twice. Right, right. right. You know? Right. Um, they, they followed white Jesus into Iraq for God knows what reason, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, like, but that just, that just never made any sense to me. Even like, again, even as a kid, I was just like, this is the point of this is to not do things the way that the world is doing things. Like, right. do you not understand that? Like, why are you out here trying to like protect the world and right. this system and, and it, you know, it took me a really long time to realize it. it's like, oh, it's because you materially benefit from it, right? Like yeah. you materially benefit from this immensely harmful system. Um, and this is why, like, every time I heard a sermon about, like, wealth and riches, it, mm-hmm. was, it was always like, oh, there's some kind of work around here, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's some there's some, there's a way around this. There's a way to love God and money. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Which is which is like a very it's it's like a white Jesus thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, like for me, I that that just there was never a connection there between those two things, but like once it became a little more obvious that it's like okay, there's Jesus and then there's white Jesus and like they're not friends. Yeah. yeah, I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm going with this guy. Like, bye, I guess. <laughs> like, have fun with your wars, fucking assholes. Um, right. Yeah. So that I mean, yeah. To me, like that was I was just that just never made any sense to me. Like, white Jesus was always a con man in my mind. I like that. I like that. The white Jesus is the con man. That's another T-shirt right there. I mean, I know. Right. So, because I think about just, I mean, growing up, I mean, I came through like young life and a lot of white evangelicalism and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. that was the main, even as you were talking, I remember, I was like, man, I remember the first time, right. um, Somebody told me like, you know, the image of Jesus, you know, growing up as a kid that, well, this is not really what Jesus looked like, but it was like, but it's everywhere. I was like, this motherfucker everywhere. This white dude with the long hair and the beard. And y'all just like materialize this dude everywhere. And like, I remember the minute I started talking about black Jesus and having an ethnic representation, people just started shutting that stuff down, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're teaching black fundamentalism or you're teaching, you know, black power, you know, you're, you know, you're oh, a Marxist God. now, you know, I mean, you know, the crazy stuff that people are saying uh-huh. now, especially as it pertains to like critical race theory. I mean, people don't can't even name one theorist, but they don't like critical race theory, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how are you navigating stuff? Cause I, I, I see you online and, and I give it to anyone who's still online. I, 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 I've almost given up all, but just my podcast Twitter handle. Um, on, mm-hmm, on social mm-hmm. media, how do you navigate some of these spaces and still keep your sense? I mean, you're a mom. How do mm-hmm. you navigate some of the, the, the misinformation that's out there? You name it in regards to theology. Like you said, the wars, there are people who just, they just, that's what they love, right? They make money mm-hmm. off of killing other Ugh. people. So, yeah. um, how do you navigate some of these conversations? And, um, but yeah, let me start there. Cause th- I know that's a lot too. Yeah. In so part so part of it I think is that I'm um 
I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just like inherently very fighty. Like when it comes <laughs> to issues of justice, like I actually find joy in like proving people wrong. It's like, no, this is not how it works. This is not how it goes. Like I have receipts. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so there is a little bit of that. There's also like, I, you know, I do have to be very kind of um, aware of like the time, right? Like aware of the impact on my nervous system um, and having some really like important practices to kind of keep me uh, from getting swept up yeah. in that, yeah. you know? Um, which, you know, that that it's just, I have, I guess I found a balance that works for me. Um, frankly, I do have a lot of like, I tend to be kind of myopic on social media, um, like because everything is on there, right? And so yeah. I do try, like I'm, I'm pretty focused on like a handful of things and I like just do not, I just don't mess with any of the other stuff. Um, like the world is big enough for me to not have an opinion on 98% of things that come across my Twitter feed. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I'm like, there, there are other people to do that work and this is, this is my work. And so I tend to be pretty, I try really, well, I just shouldn't say I try really hard. I, I kind of default to not going down a lot of rabbit trails of just like the random nonsense. Right. Um, but I'm also the kind of person who just like very, kind, very easily memorizes like stats and dates and things like that. I and so um, it's easy for me to have these little conversations, like these mini conversations on Twitter, because I have the information like in my head and also I know where to find it. I mean, most people apparently don't really understand how Google works or the library, but like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, if you want to yesterday, I think this sometime this week, mm -hmm. um, I, saw um, this person on Twitter who was kind of pushing back against, um, you know, Joe, Joe Lumen had written a thread that was basically about, you know, capitalism, access, equity. And, this, you know, this one person replies like, yeah, you know, everybody, people, people have different starting points. Right. And, and like, you know, it's, it's important to acknowledge that, but he goes, anybody that, anybody that, or no, he said almost anybody that tries hard can succeed. And I kind of, I just like popped in there and I was like, well, um, so, Hey, I know you weren't talking to me, but <laughs> <laughs> like, just so you know, like you're almost anybody, like if you're born in the bottom 10%, uh, like if your parents are in like the bottom 10% of income earners in this country, the likelihood that you will grow up to be in the top 10% is uh 3%. So yeah, 3% is almost everyone. I don't know if you know how to do math. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. And, and I was just like, this is, that's not how it works. Like we have a system that doesn't allow for that. Mm. And we just walk around saying that it's a real thing. And here's Oprah so clearly anyone can do it. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, this is like complete nonsense. Right. Um, Here's Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> right, and, and it's just like, this is, 
this isn't, and even if, even when you're using those people as examples, like it still isn't equitable. There still yeah. isn't even like just the distribution of people of color in this mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're, you, when you're using these examples, like, oh, hey, well, look at these people who are, you know, people of color and they succeeded against all the odds or, you know, whatever your little sob story is going to be as like, well, it's still not representative of the number of us who live here. So clearly like one of you, one of us is wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's probably not the person with lived experience, just saying, but uh yeah, like that's not how that works. And so like that for me isn't like that's not a hard conversation to have. And yeah. one thing that I have found that is really interesting is I have been a lot more um one thing that I have found that is like a really effective tool, I suppose, um is inviting people uh because i'm let's be honest it's usually white men um <laughs> inviting people to like we should have an actual conversation about this okay like i will like i will buy you a coffee i will buy you lunch like let's sit down and sort this out because you clearly feel very strongly about it and um you know i, I don't ever present myself as like I am trying to like recognize your humanity or whatever, or, you know, I really do frame it as like, I would like you to be able to expand on this because this is Twitter and, you know, it is really hard to communicate effectively in 180, 280 characters. Uh, And this, honestly, like this has been amazing. This is like seriously my secret weapon because no one has taken me up on this. Hmm not a single person will even respond. Hmm. So I, I put up, um, it was kind of like right at the beginning of the pandemic, I posted that I'd been really hoping to like have more like sit down conversations with conservatives. Um, just because I'm like, I just want to know like what your thought process is and like, where's the dead end, right? Yeah. Like where, <laughs> where does this stop for you? Yeah. And you just like wind up in this intellectual cul-de-sac and you can't get out of it. Um, and so I, you know, I'd really, I was, so I was just like, Hey, if you're conservative, I will buy you lunch and like ask you three questions. I just want to like, listen to you and like figure out what you, what, like what your argument is, like where you're coming from, what you're afraid of, because yeah. clearly like there's a, there's a, a breakdown, right? <laughs> there's a disconnect. Um, and so because of that, I started you know, being like, yes, being in Portland, it's actually been kind of easy to reach out to people because it's, there's a pretty clear dichotomy of like people who support the cops and people who don't. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. it's quite easy on Twitter to like interact with people, like real people who live in your community who disagree with you on these issues. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm really, really fascinated by like these folks have a lot to say when they're, uh, you know, on their phone. <laughs> right. And like the minute that you ask them to come and like, okay, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. let's do this. Like, let's have an actual conversation about this. Like I would like to know. And it's not even that I, it's, I understand what you're saying and I disagree with you, but I would like you to have to defend it in person. Right. Right. You know, and also like, look at me when you're calling me stupid or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They won't do it. Right. I don't know why. <laughs> I wonder why this is. Oh. And it's not like, I'm not a scary person, right? Like right. I don't present as someone who's like very intimidating or like, 
clearly. Like, I'm just, I, that's just not, I don't know. I mean, it's, I guess we can say it's a form of privilege, but I'm not scaring anyone off. Like I'm not physically intimidating anybody. That's not why they're not having these conversations. Like there's something else going on here. And, um, I think it's really telling. Yes. They won't, that they won't show up and like literally get a free meal out of it and like have a conversation with me about like what they think. Well, and I think, I mean, that's, there's so much of it that I feel like, I mean, take, for example, QAnon, right? I mean, and just yep. the, I mean, it's, it's you, when you think, you know, and especially during the time that Trump was, you know, president and sitting in that Oval Office, right? It's like, um, it, it felt like every day was something new and some outlandish thing. And just when you thought, okay, we, you know, it can't get any crazier. No, it's going to take it to another level. Now we got QAnon and Trump's the the hero and he's going to save us and all the liberals are demonic and devilish, um, you know, and they're sacrificing kids and dogs and cats are living together. So it's like, it's just crazy, right? I mean, the way things get painted out is like, well, who wants to sit next to the devil? I mean, who wants to be a friend of the devil? So what then would you say theologically, where do you find yourself now? Where do you, when you think about spirituality and you say you talk about the justice stuff and you talk about, you know, being socially minded and, and in gear towards that. Um, I'm interested at like where you find yourself there with that. And also if you want to speak on this too, um, how you take care of yourself during this time as well. Cause I know that, you know, there's been some, some, you know, some conversations around that, right? It's like, you know, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you take care of yourself in a system that just keeps going and churning and, and cranking things mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, at this point I don't, I don't identify as a person of faith really at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do have to say though, I, like maybe that's not entirely true. Cause I'm like, I think functional, like, I don't, I don't believe in any sort of higher power or anything like that. Um, but one thing that I have found that's really interesting is like, something that's, I don't even, interesting, like doesn't, doesn't do it justice. Something that I think is really important and nobody is talking about is that there's, there is no, there is no liberation in atheism, right? So even as someone who doesn't believe in, in like a deity or, or a higher power or energy or whatever, there's, there's still something, you know, I, I, I still tell other people who identify as, as non-believers who identify as, as atheists or nuns or whatever. I'm like, liberation theology is still really, really important, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. because it just does not exist. Right. Like there is, there is no body of work that is liberation atheism. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and even people who claim to be humanists end up being like these raging misogynist white supremacist assholes. And so it's like, okay, first of all, like words have meanings. Right. But also like, no, like this isn't how we're going to do this. So I think that as someone who does identify as a non-believer, yeah. <laughs> it's really important for me to be like, and also like these systems morally are fucked. <laughs> like, we are not, you know, not believing in a higher power doesn't give you the like 
cover to just be like, okay, well, the system works for me, so I don't actually have to care about anything else, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and there is just, you know, there is an overwhelming amount of, of, of arrogance, I think, among white male atheists, especially. Uh, and like just this belief in like your own superior intelligence, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and your own kind of like objectivity, which is like... I- <laughs> These are two things that are literally social constructs. Like there is no such thing as objectivity. You have just decided that that's a thing you can do and you can't, right? Um, And intelligence is just like, it's a a metric that we invented because we didn't want to have to invest in people in the ways that they needed. So we're like, you're dumb. We're just going to like set you aside. You don't matter. We can invest in, oh, turns out we're the intelligent ones. We can invest in ourselves and have a reason to do that and ignore everybody else, right? Um, so it's it's all nonsense to me. Um, but yeah, this is like, I don't know, I guess, I like I, cons- I consider myself a public theologian. I just happen to not believe in God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm following you. I'm following you. Um, and I, you know, I'm here for that. Honestly, I think it's, I think it's important work. Obviously I wouldn't, wouldn't be doing it probably because it's, it is work. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so that's, yeah, that's really where I land with a the theology piece. Um, with the self-care, um, I've been very, I've been very kind of interested in, in learning about, um, like evolutionary biology mm-hmm. as kind of like a jumping off point um, in terms of brain development, right? And also in terms of like best practices. Um, and I think, you know, having been able to like spend time in these in these spaces with like people who are doing like this cutting edge research, um, I have for me, I've been able to, with, with more knowledge, I have been able to take, I think, better care of my nervous system, Mm -hmm. right? Like taking care of my body isn't particularly difficult for me personally. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure why that is, but it's not necessarily like a struggle. Um, but like caring for my nervous system is that's, that's a big deal. And so, um, I've, you know, I just, I have a couple, I have like a couple, I guess you could call them spiritual practices if you wanted to. Um, but just things that I do that are really important to me. And I know have like a net positive, like a disproportionate net positive impact on, on my mental health and well-being. Um, and you know, I like if anybody like follows me on on Instagram, <laughs> my Instagram, at least in the summer is basically like, it's a hiking page. Um, <laughs> like I, um, well, first of all, I'm like really lucky that I live in the Pacific Northwest and I could not hike every trail within a hundred miles of me if I tried, right? Yeah. My yeah. entire life, I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, like there's just, there's just so much and it's, it's so beautiful, but also kind of recognizing that like humans evolved in the forest, mm. right? Mm. And like your nervous system is, didn't evolve for you to be spending time like inside all day. 
Good point. Yeah. You know, um, and and so we kind of live in a in a space and in a time where it's like you actually have to go and try to find like green. You know, you actually have to go and try to find um, these spaces because it's not we don't, we just don't orient our lives around around the outdoors at all. And again, for me, like as a very kind of data driven person, it's like, oh, this is this is like incredibly good for people. You know, mm-hmm. even like five, even like five or ten minutes, like walking around the block, walking through the park, like that, that has a really big net positive impact. And I know that it, um, I'm again, like being, being someone who just loves data. Um, so one thing that I've noticed and love when I go camping is that my like resting heart rate will drop like Mm. immediately. Wow. Which is, it's wild, but it's also like, so cool. It's like, Oh, okay. Like, I don't have any kind of connection. You know, I'm not, I'm not online. Right. Like I can't text or call anybody. I (laughs) can't check Twitter. Um, And also like being outdoors and like being in this space where it's like, Oh, this is, this is like where we're supposed to be. Like not, not necessarily swearing off of technology or anything like that, but like there is value, Mm -hmm. um, like literal physical and mental health value in in spending time in like green spaces and so um yeah that's just something that i've prioritized yeah um you know and and it's also you know something that i something that i just absolutely love doing um also in the summertime again because it's like we don't get a ton of sun here in the winter uh oh is that right you too yeah in chicago neither man yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but like when in the summertime, just being going out to like the coast or just somewhere that doesn't have any like light pollution and just yeah. like looking at the stars, that's something else that I think is like really kind of helps you, helps your nervous system self-regulate. Right. I like that. Um, yeah, I, I like, I do too. And, and, and I think like you know, I, I, like just, this is just random speculation on my part, right? Because I, this is just how my brain works. But I think that the reason that like blue light keeps us awake is because for tens of thousands of years, the last thing that you saw before you went to sleep was like the dying embers of the fire, mm. you know? Okay. Like that was the last, that was just your entire life. That was the last thing that you saw before you fell asleep. And that's like, it's the opposite of blue light. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I'm with that. Have a, like warm, that warm light. Um, it's a whole study right there. I like that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but it's just you know, so it's just little things of like ha- building in space um, into what you're already doing, frankly, mm-hmm. to like just kind of carving out space or like adding little things on to your whatever your schedule already looks like. Yeah. Um, in terms of self-care, be it like meditation or breath work, or I'm like, again, just nerding out. I'm really into cold therapy right now. It's, it's awful. I can't stand it. And I'm like obsessed with it, but um, (laughs) (laughs) like, there's all kinds of stuff that you can do that like things that are not necessarily, that 
um, that are accessible for anyone that don't cost anything, okay. right? Yeah. Ways that you can protect your your nervous system and your mental health and give yourself more bandwidth. Um, and so, you know, in terms of like my free time with my kids, like I really do try to orient all of that around around that goal, that outcome. Um, and, you know, it, it works for me. No, so. that's, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love the aspect of the stars and just like you said, being outside. Um, there's something to that. And I didn't realize the impact of that, having grown up in Southern California where, like, it's mm-hmm. literally spring all year round. I mean, well, yeah. now with climate change, I mean, it's hot as hell right. over there. But right. um, coming to Chicago and, you know, I moved here for work. And now there's seasons. Like, right now we're experiencing fall and like the sun's starting it feels like it's going down at two o'clock and i'm like oh my uh-huh. gosh man this is, you're <laughs> killing me man you're killing me um nope. so let me ask this though let me how do you how do you parent in all of this and you're engaged mm. with kids i'm assuming plural kids mm-hmm. i have one daughter um mm. and uh, yeah i mean just with all the stuff that's going on mask mandates, schooling, I mean, just the extracurricular activities that they want to be in and stuff. How do you, how do you, how do you navigate some of this stuff? I'm curious and feel free to share as little as much as you want. (laughs) Um, well, I like, I absolutely love kids, so I could talk about kids all day, honestly. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so for me, um, the way that, the way that I kind of orient my parenting is like, this is, this is a group effort and it's hard actually to kind of remove the, um, the language of ownership from my vocabulary. Right. Cause it's like, Oh, this is my house. This is my car. This is like what, you know, it's like mine, 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 mine. And, um, I'm like, actually, no, like we all have to contribute to keeping the space clean because we all live here. Right. <laughs> right. Like, we all have to be responsible for taking our trash out of the car when we get home from a long trip because we're all in the car. Like we all have to be here. So we're all going to contribute. Um, I kind of, I kind of jokingly say that I have three rules and um, it's essentially like don't hurt other people's bodies. Don't hurt other people's stuff and no screens at dinner. Ah. <laughs> like, everything else. I'm like, we can have a conversation about it. You know, like we can figure out if there are safe boundaries um, for you to do whatever that thing is that you want to do. And yeah, it is much more difficult um, being in the middle of like a a global pandemic for sure. Um, But, you know, honestly, like kids are kids are really, really resilient. And as someone who was raised with like, I don't have a lot of like super positive like childhood memories or anything like that. Like, I'm really lucky that I'm you know, I'm the oldest of five and I'm super tight with my siblings. And, um, I just, yeah, I absolutely love them. Like they're the, they're the coolest. Um, and so I'm super grateful for that, but I think that, um, you know, having, having a space where you can be fully yourself, right. Where you don't have to try to like, you're not like, right. Like you're not like going to school and getting bullied and then coming home and getting bullied again. Yeah. Like the world is hard enough as it is. Like we don't have to teach our kids grit by being mean to them. Like the world will chew them up and spit them out. Like, don't worry. Yes. (laughs) You know, like you can just be a safe place to land. And, um, you know, the thing that I like 
I kind of, again, I get stuck on because in my nervous system doesn't believe that the world is a safe place, right? Mm -hmm. Like my nervous system doesn't believe that people are going to come through for me. And so I have to be cognizant of that. But it's really interesting to see that like my kids don't have that. Oh, my kids trust that like someone is going to come pick them up. My kids trust that they will be taken care of. My kids trust that like they will, they will have what they need that somebody is going to be there. Someone's going to be on their team, which is something that I didn't feel like I had growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am, I'm really fa- like, I projected a lot of my own like childhood, I guess, um, like dysregulated attachment <laughs> onto yeah. my kids, Yeah, yeah. you know? And it took me honestly until this year to realize like, oh, my kids, my kids are not worried about being forgotten. Like that's mm. not, that's not something that crosses their minds, okay. you know? Okay. Um, and that, like, that has made me feel a lot, a lot better. Like, you know, I don't want to insinuate that I do a really good job parenting, you know, even 90% of the time necessarily. Um, but I do think that one thing that's really interesting that there's a lot of research around is, is how to like, how to keep relationships healthy. And I think frequently like the dynamic that's being examined is, is like romantic relationships, right? Like Mm. marriages or, or like couples situations. Yeah. 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 Um, But realizing that um, essentially for every kind of like harmful interaction you have to have, because just because of like, negativity bias, the way that our brains work, like you have to have about five positive interactions with that person in order to make up for like the one negative interaction. And so for me in my, like in my head, in my nervous system, it's like, Hmm. oh, every, every little thing that I mess up, like is going to, my kids are going to remember that forever. Right. Like they're permanently going to be harmed by that. And it's, it's interesting talking to people who had really good childhoods because it's like, they're not, they're never going to remember that. Like, that's, what are you talking about? It's like, oh yeah, like they have so many more, <clears throat> excuse me, they have so many more positive experiences, yeah, yeah. interactions, memories with me. Like, yeah, occasionally I will like yell or, you know, whatever, but. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, but I, I, like, even in a situation like that, like I try to explain to my kids, like, look, I'm really frustrated right now. I'm not frustrated with you. I'm not upset with you. Like mommy's nervous system is just like doing a thing. Or I had a conversation that like made me really upset with somebody else. Like none of this has anything to do with you. And so they can really kind of operate like around <laughs> whatever I'm processing. Um, just because like, I, just because I explained to them, like, look, this is what happens. And like, yeah, like, I, I mean, my kids don't even think that it's weird that I, like, cry about stuff because they know that it's, like, it's not a reflection of them, hmm. right? It's not, it's not, like, they don't have to worry about, like, oh, did I do something? Because I'm just going to explain, like, hey, this is why I've been on edge. And frankly, like, my kids, we have a good enough relationship that my kids will call me out on it, you know, if they're, like, well, I feel like you're being really mean right now or, like, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> Wow. Okay. My kids, my kids' idea of yelling is so like so tame that it's yeah. it's comical yeah. to yeah. me, right? Like if you grew up in like seventies, eighties, right. right? Like right. it's hilarious. I'm like, I'm not I'm not yelling at you. Like, what are you talking about? 
Right. Which is amazing and hilarious. And, you know, honestly, it like makes me feel really good because I'm, you know, I think if you can come, you know, obviously it's like you're, there's always going to be some kind of like a rupture in your relationships because, you know, we're people and we experience conflict. And, you know, again, like our nervous systems aren't particularly rational most of the time. Um, So just being willing to engage with your kids as like other people, (laughs) right? Like not like, not like future people, like you're not a work in progress. Like you're, you're a whole person already. Um, And, and, you know, saying like, okay, look, like I, I screwed this up. I'm really sorry. Um, And, and checking in with my kids too, because like, you, you know, you check in with your partner, like, Hey, like, how are things going? Like, are there, are there things that we need to work on together? Like, are there things that we need to kind of like sort through? Because I mean, there always are. Right. But I do the same thing with my kids. Like I, I ask them, like, is there anything that you feel like we need to do differently in our relationship? Is there anything that I'm doing that makes you feel sad, scared, uncomfortable, whatever. Yeah. And you know, they pretty much, they, up to this point, they've always been like, no, <laughs> you know, but they also know that like, if something comes up that they can just tell me about it. Right. Okay. Because I'm, I'm checking in with them already. Yeah. Um, so they don't, they don't worry about like, oh, she's not going to want to know this. Like she's going to be mad. It's like, no, she already asks about it. So like, this is information that she wants to have. Um, yeah. I mean, I just think that like treating, treating kids like people is a lot less work than being like an authoritarian parent. Um, and your kids actually want to cooperate as opposed to, (laughs) as opposed to just constantly trying to do things behind your back, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. I like that. I like that. Looking at that. I mean, I think, cause yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, growing up in a different time and era where, you know, um, you know, yelling was yelling. I mean, you know, it was like mm-hmm. neighbors would hear stuff. So it's right, right. <laughs> you know, and there was that you know sense that you know mama wasn't afraid to you know even make a make a make a show at um, at school. You know, if you was cutting up or doing something. So it was like okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me ask you this. I know we've been talking, and I could just keep talking. I mean, this is amazing. Um, and I got so many other questions, but let me ask this: as we think about where we're at right now is who we are 2021 still dealing mm-hmm. with pandemic shit um what's some stuff that gives you hope and what are some things that also at the same time are like very concerning to you moving forward into this next decade mm. um yeah i think frankly it's something that i noticed um i guess since, since the pandemic started, something that I've noticed is that all of my, all of my conversations with friends at this point in like climate change always comes up Yeah. in like every single conversation now. Um, and you know, Portland, Portland broke like three, um, all time weather records in like nine months. Wow. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was not good. Um, so like we're, you know, we're kind of getting the brunt of it, I feel like. Um, and that, that is absolutely something that concerns me. 
Um, and something that I think about, like the way that the ways in which my kids standard of living will probably be different, you know, Okay. like that's, that's something that I'm like, not to say, and I don't, I don't want to make this kind of like w- this Western centric proclamation, right? Yeah, like yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. I, you know, I do think that all of us can have really, really truly incredible, fulfilling, like rewarding lives without having like the American standard of living, you know, yeah, yeah. like we prioritize the wrong things. Let's just say that. Yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, we don't have to have like all of the tech and all of the cars and all of what, like the huge house, like we, we need each other. Right. Yeah. You know, cause if you don't have those connections then it's, it's, you're not going to be in a good place mentally or physically. Right. 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 Um, and I think that we can kind of see that at this point is like, as we're becoming more and more and more isolated um, and, and just kind of like hyper individualistic and, and like not needing anyone, not needing to interact with anyone ever um, unless we choose to is, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's good for us again. Like, Humans did not evolve to be like these hyper independent, like <laughs> you are not, they're, they're, like you're not a unit of one. Hmm. That's not how humans work, yeah. right? Like yeah. we're cooperative, collaborative species Yes, because that's what we needed to do to survive. Because if you got kicked out of your group, like you were kind of SOL, Pretty right? Much. right? So you wanted, you wanted to keep your behavior in check enough to not be left on the side of the road. <laughs> right. right. You know? Um, and so, you know, I, I think that like, I think that this hyper kind of individualism, I like one thing that gives me hope is I think that more people are realizing that it doesn't work, that it's not sustainable and that it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I'm really, I, I am really fascinated by, by the fact that like one of, one of the first sentences in the Bible is it is not good for man to be alone. Right. Like taking the gendered piece out of that. Like, yeah, it's not, it's literally not how we evolved. It's not, that's not how our, our, our nervous systems work. Um, You know, and, and again, like there's a ton of research on that too, right? Like humans evolved to co-regulate. So we're asking kids to self-regulate and it's like, that's not even a thing humans were supposed to do. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Wow. I'm like, I'm just saying that's not how it ever worked before. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and, and so it's like, we're, we're, we're asking kids like little kids to do things that adults can't do really. Um, and you know, it's, 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 I just don't, I don't think that any of that is, is good for us, honestly. But I mean, I do, the thing that gives me hope is, is the fact that like more and more people are realizing this more and more people are realizing um yeah that we need each other that we're going to need each other to survive frankly at this point um and seeing all of these like really incredible like mutual aid efforts um that are you know literally like saving people's lives and and the way that like activists here in portland just as an example um they're like putting together they're putting together like kits to make um, 
essentially like non-electric uh, heating units okay. for people. Okay. For if it gets like really really cold, um, and the power and the power goes out, right? Because this is what, this is what happened last last winter. Um, and um, making like uh, air filters. Mm-hmm. For when it's really, really smoky here for like weeks on end. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. You know, things like that when it's like, okay, it's just a couple, a couple of supplies, right? It's like, and they're like just putting the stuff together for people and like just giving it out for free. Um, but yeah, I think that there's, there's definitely going to be, I think a little bit of, um, I like, I don't really like this term, but I feel like a little bit of a reckoning, like we're going to have to be, I think a lot more humble mm. going forward because we, you know, the thing about like the hyper individualist kind of way of thinking and living um, is that we don't have to account for anyone else, right? Like we don't have to account for how other people feel. It's like, I can have the temperature in my apartment exactly what I want it to be. I don't have to ask anybody else. It doesn't affect anybody else. Like, this mm. is my choice, right? Yeah. Like, and, and thinking about the fact that like the future might not like, might not look like that for most people, you know, like it's mm-hmm. going to be kind of like maybe potentially like a very select few people who get to have that. And like, we're really going to have to like learn to rely on each other um, and to be in proximity to each other <laughs> right. in ways that like sincerely make most of us uncomfortable right now. Right. Like yes. we're so unaccustomed yes. to needing other people. We're so unaccustomed to needing community. And, you know, again, it's like we somehow someone decided to like build this culture where that was a thing that we were trying to get away from. Yeah. And it's not working. I don't know. I don't know if you can tell. It's not going great. <laughs> right. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's, those are some thoughts that have been on, on, on my mind about hope and concerns yeah. about the future. No, I hear that. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. I think um, I, uh, you know, I had to come to terms with the fact that, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, so I, I love astronomy. I like uh, astrophysics. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I had to come to terms with that, you know, I do believe I have to say it, I have to get it out. I do believe in UFOs or, as I think solemn, unidentified aerial phenomena. And so, mm-hmm. um, now I don't go crazy. I don't put, you know, foil on my head or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't storm, you know, Area 51 or whatever. You know, I wasn't advocating for, you know, folks to go and, you know, get themselves shot or anything like oh, that. Oh, gosh. Um, I love this. But, I love uh, it. You know, I, I do think it's very interesting, you know, when you start putting some things together, like, you know, what what we're going to find when we get to Mars and all that stuff like that, you know. And yeah, yeah. Just the, the breakdown of just even the planetary system. I think what always wows mm-hmm. me is the size of space. Um, it's... Uh-huh. It's unbelievable in in so many uh-huh. regards, right? <laughs> so, uh-huh. I mean, even our closest star, you know, it would take uh. us thousands of years at the current technology. So it's like, okay, well, yes. <sighs> thinking about that, it's like it's not it, it's not as Star Trekky as I thought. Once you start putting the science to it, right? You know, like let's just yeah, get the warp drive yeah. and 
Uh, maybe Thanos had it figured out. He could just kind of warp from one place to another with a ball of, blue ball of smoke. Um, well, this is this is illuminating, Tori. I love this. This was this was a great time. Um, what are you working on now? What's going on? Where can folks find you? Let's say some folks want to do that white homework 101. Um, yeah, like what? Uh, where can working folks come at you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, you know, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and also my website is just toryglass.com. So it's just at Tory Glass for pretty much everything. Um, you can go to whitehomework.com. That's uh, my Patreon, but that's where I have all of my, um, all the little like white homework modules are up there. And uh, yeah, I mean, right now I'm just pitching stuff. So we'll see if any of it sticks. Um, yeah. And, and just doing, and just doing like anti-racism training at this point. So I've got a lot of good stuff going on, but yeah, that's, that's the gist of it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Are you attending any conferences at all? Or or, I I always ask people that because I know people have been talking about like kind of the shift in conference culture and all that, but I figured I'd ask. Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. I'm actually really excited to. I don't have anything on the agenda yet just because of the way that the, you know, we've been having these waves of cases. Yep. Um, but I do feel like, you know, next summer I'm going to feel, this coming summer rather, I'm going to feel a lot more confident about doing things like that. Um, yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you, Tori. This was great to just have this conversation. Um, I definitely got to get you back on, especially when this book uh, drops. Do you have any timeline or anything like that for this? Um, so right now, don't have a timeline. Um, but again, like all of it'll like everything will be up on on my Patreon um, in terms of details. And then once I have like actual dates, it'll be on social media. So, okay. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well. Hopefully get y'all back on before that, but definitely once that yeah. thing drops, um, we got to talk about that and and all the all the wonderful things there. So that's that's good stuff. Well, keep doing what you're doing. Much power to you. 